Welcome or welcome back to the company of the cat. Today's video is one that I had a lot of fun making because one, the Argonautica is one of my favorite stories from the Golden Age of Heroes, if not my favorite, and two, as you have probably guessed from this channel, Irondur mythology is also my favorite one in Westeros, and since George Martin is a fan of cult classic movies such as Jason and the Argonauts, I thought it would be fun to look into the story and talk about the many similarities I see. I hope you will also enjoy this episode as much as I did, and without further ado, let's begin. The era where the Argonautica takes place is the Bronze Age, and more specifically during the Mekinian period. Members of the crew were also the fathers of warriors that participated in the War at Troy, so I want to talk about two facts about the Mekinian civilization that aren't very well known. I mean, if someone is a history junkie, they are most likely familiar, but these are some stuff that I don't see often being mentioned or discussed. The first one is that Mekinians were raiders. They looted and burned what they could not carry away. They were very similar to Vikings. They were taking part in raids, trade and piracy. According to many records found in Asia Minor, the Middle East and Egypt, the Mekinian army was included in raider lists. When the Minon civilization got weaker due to earthquakes and other natural catastrophes, the Mekinians took advantage of the situation to invade and conquer Crete. Their war-centric culture is also depicted in their architecture, the Cyclopean walls made of huge stone that surrounded their towns for protection. At the time, not many places in Greece had these big protection walls because they didn't have a reason to. This war-centric environment influenced their art too, which was mostly about warfare and hunting themes, unlike the Minoan style, which was about everyday life. Their king, Wanax, had religious, military and judicial role. They were constantly at war, and the whole civilization had a warrior profile that promoted battles and ravings. The second one has to do with the religion. Our mighty storm and thunder god Zeus appears in the Mykenian pantheon, but he was not the chief deity. Poseidon was the god that occupied a place of privilege. He was a chthonic deity connected with earthquakes, and he represented the river spirit of the underworld. In some tablets he had the epithet Wanax, and he was the mate of the nature goddess, Things that in classical Greece were associated with Zeus, who was the king of the gods, made to Dimitra and father of Persephone. Thales Anaximenes and Aristoteles says that he was originally a god of the waters, and therefore he became the earthshaker because ancient Greeks believed that the cause for earthquakes was the erosion of rocks by the waters. So we are talking about raiders, sea people that had a water god in a central place in their pantheon. The Argonautica recounts the myth of the voyage of Jason and the Argonauts to his to receive the Golden Fleece from Colchis. The adventures and Jason's relationship with Midia were already very well known. This is why Apollonius wrote them down and gave them a scholarly emphasis suitable to the era. Something very common for the time and the reason why many myths and stories from the Bronze Age that were written down later, like Iliada, Odyssea and Argonautica, have many anachronisms. So many of the adventures and battles that are described most likely were not the heroic battles and wars, but ravings and plunderings. And in the beginning, the myths wouldn't have Zeus as the chief and king of the gods, but just a god in the pantheon. The Argonautica is huge, so I will not talk about all of the things that took place, obviously. I will talk only about the parts that are very similar to some stories from the Ironborn mythology. The first one, and most apparent one, is Argo. The Grey King carved the first longship from the hard pale wood of Ig, a demon tree who fed on human flesh, so obviously a weirwood, since we know that the first men made sacrifices to the trees and many times hung their corpses from the branches too. So this ship was the first ship, or at least the very first ship of its kind, an ironborn longship. 
Argo was built for travel in the open sea and designed to move quickly with the assistance of a sail. Apollodorus and Catalos stated that the Argo was the first ship to sail the seas and was favored by the gods, but other sources suggest that it was just the first ship of its kind. In some stories, people that had not seen a ship before described the Argo as a monster, and that could be easily be the case with the first Ironborn longship too. As I said in my previous Ironborn analysis, Considering their myths, the carvings on the ships now, and the fact that they are inspired by Viking longships, it is very possible they had dragon carvings on their prows. And imagine the people that are not familiar with something like this, having a huge thing with a weird carving coming from the sea, and 50 madmen get out and start killing, stealing and burning out of nowhere. No shit, they thought of them as demons from watery hills. In my theory about Garth, I explained that the Storm God of the Ironborn is pretty much the green powers since they are saying that the crows and the trees are creatures of the Storm God, along with everything else. So Ig could be considered a holy tree of the Storm God. And this is where the second biggest similarity comes. Graking's ship was made by the wood of a weirwood, a magical tree that Greenseers uses it to see past, present and future. Argo was made by different woods, but the prow of the sea was made with a special piece of oak from Vodoni, an area sacred to Zeus where his oracle was. The oak was said to be able to speak with a human voice and could tell oracles. So both ships were made of magical wood. The builder of Argo was Argos, under Athena's guidance. And Argos was sharing his name with a primordial giant in Greek mythology named Argos Panoptis. In the novels, the ship was built by the Grey King, a person that we don't know the name of. But we do have a person with the name Argoth Stoneskin, and also known as the Grey Giant, so pretty grey and also very close to Argos. And I hear the people that have read the world book and saw my Hightower video saying, but Miss Cat, Argoth died outside of Old Town Roaring for Maris, what are you talking about? And this is where the Kiss of Life comes to play. Ironborn have this freaking custom that no one else in Westeros has, and as far as we know, neither anyone else in the known world. They drone and then resuscitate people. Thing is, you don't start something like this out of nowhere, even more if you don't know for sure that the other person will come back, because they do it with all the followers of the drowned god. They say what is dead may never die, but rise again stronger. So someone did die and was brought back. Argoth was a leader, as far as we know. In my Hightower theory, I said that the whole story of Maris and Uthor is a combination of Iliada and the Arthurian legend. Argoth in the story is playing the role of Gorloi and Menelaos. Both of these characters were royal. They were not some random dudes. Argoth won Maris's hand, but knowing Garth was giving land to his kids, we can guess that Argoth was also a leader that needed land for him and his people. And Uthor, by taking Maris, also took the land. So Argoth died in Old Town, and I think he was resurrected. Argoth was also called Stoneskin, and we already know of a resurrected person with a stony new name, Catelyn. Catelyn was brought out of the river dead and was resurrected by fire. She is also described with grey, greenish and mottled skin because of the sipsies. Motley is a word used very often for stony stuff, like grayscale, for example. Cat is called Stoneheart because after she was brought back, she was not the same anymore, she was merciless. Stoneskin could mean that Argoth was tough and insensitive and wanted revenge after his resurrection. In my previous Iron Island video, I said that they practiced fire magic for sure, 
At least after they returned to the Iron Islands, they did. They talk about fire and swords and about a flame that was brought from the sea. Mokoro was fished out of the sea from Victarion's crew when he needed him. Mel went to Dragonstone on her own, so again she arrived at Stannis, called Grey and Master of Ships, Stannis, from the sea. Catelyn was taken out of the water and was brought back to life with fire magic, and we are told that Beric too was dragged out of the river. So I think that after Argoth died, his people took the body and a woman that was practicing fire magic found them and resurrected him. And if they found a magical woman in the ocean, like Mokoro, or came to them from the sea, like Melisandre, they obviously thought she was a mermaid, and if she was a fire sorceress, it makes sense why they say that the flame was a gift from the sea. And this is where we have the twist. His story after his resurrection is very similar to Jason with some aspects of Argos. He built a great ship similar to no other, he went to the Iron Islands, became a king to a new kingdom, and had the assistance of a magical woman like Jason, who did his quest and travelled all around so he could become king with the help of Midia. The Ironborn have an antagonist, and this antagonist is the Storm God, and there is a parallel in Argonautica too. Zeus in Argonautica was pissed and was the antagonist. Most of the quests and difficulties they had was because Zeus was pissed, this is why they couldn't return to Greece. Midia plays the role of the Helper Maiden, aiding Jason in his search for the Golden Fleece by using her magic to save his life out of love, and her help was crucial to Jason's success in his quests. The first task was plowing a field with fire-breathing oxen that Jason had to yoke himself, and the last task was to fight and kill the sleepless dragon that guarded the Golden Fleece. So we see even more similarities with Grey King's story, since he too fought and killed a dragon with the help of the Drowned God and his mermaid wife was a gift from the Drowned God, so it is possible that she was the one that helped. Midia was also able to heal deadly wounds and give extra years of life to people, as we saw with Jason's father, and this gives even more credit to the theory that the mermaid wife was the one that resurrected him. In the novels, magical people were considered blessed by the gods and in many instances related to the gods. And Midia was of divine descent. She was a direct descendant of the sun god, Ilios. Sun, in many A Song of Ice and Fire mythologies, is the father of dragons, and the others hate the touch of the sun, same with fire. Red priests believe Rolor made the sun, and each morning at first light the priests gather outside the red temples to welcome the sun. So I can say with enough confidence that the mermaid wife was practicing fire magic and they just found her in the sea like Mokoro, so she stayed as a mermaid in songs and legends. The legend says that the Grey King lived for more than a thousand years and he was turning grey with time to the point that even his skin was grey. I have said in some of my first uploads, I do believe that with magic people can live for a long time. Mel is doing it and we have other stories too. But... There is a big difference between 300 years and 1000 plus years, and I doubt people could live for that long, even with magic. The description of the Grey King, though, reminds me of Beric and how every time he is resurrected he looks like a corpse even more. So it wouldn't be weird if he was brought back more than once, and the reason why he lived more than normal was because he was resurrected over and over again. Eventually, he cast aside his driftwood crown and walked into the sea to descend to the watery halls of the drowned god to take his place at his right hand. The storm god snuffed out Naga's fire after the Grey King's death, and the sea stole his throne with Naga's bones, the only remnant of the Grey King's hall. So he died on his own, and we see that someone was pissed at him too, 
because we are told that Naga's fire was snuffed, his hall was drowned, etc. To be honest though, I don't think it was the storm god, but the mermaid wife, and I will explain why right away. Now, the reason Jason went to retrieve the Golden Fleece was because his uncle Pelias claimed the throne of Yolkos. So, after his return, Midia, having enough chopping experience, made his daughters chop him up, and Pelias' son, Akastos, drove Jason and Midia into exile for the murder, and the couple settled in Corinthos. In Corinthos, Jason became engaged to Creusa, sometimes referred as Glavki, which means greyish, greenish, blue, a daughter of the king of Corinthos. Midia was pissed, obviously, and when she confronted Jason about the engagement and cited all the help she had given him, the dude said that it was not she that he should thank, but Aphrodite, who made Midia fall in love with him. Instead of saying thank you, because he was useless AF half of the time without Midia. Infuriated with Jason for breaking his vow that he would be hers forever, Midia took her advance by presenting to Creusa a curse dressed as a wedding gift that stuck to her body and burned her to death as soon as she put it on. Which, if you ask me, was a wrong choice of person. She should have pulled the Megara and said it to Jason. In any case, Creusa's father burned to death with his daughter as he tried to save her, and then Midia killed the two boys that she bore to Jason, fearing that they would be murdered or enslaved as a result of her actions. When Jason learned of this, Midia was already gone because, as I said before, he couldn't do shit on his own. Midia fled to Athens in a chariot of dragons sent by her grandfather, the sun god Ilios. Thing is, even though Jason calls Midia most hateful to gods and men, the fact that the chariot is given to her by Ilios indicates that she still has the gods on her side. Just like these gods, Midia interrupts and puts uh, a stop to the violent actions of the human being on the lower level, justifies his savage revenge on the grounds that she has been treated with disrespect and mockery, takes measures and gives order for the burial of the dead, prophesies the future and announces the foundations of a cult, which, by the way, is what fired priests do, pretty much. Later, Jason, with help, of course, reclaimed the throne of Iolkos for himself once more and his son Thessalus then became king. As a result of breaking his vow to love Midia forever, Jason lost his favor with Ira, his main divine supporter, and died lonely and unhappy as he should. He was asleep under the stern of the rotting Argo when it fell on him, killing him instantly. Argo, by the way, was consecrated to Poseidon after the journey. Because the ship was sacred and was made with the help of the gods, she was made into a monument as well as being dedicated to the gods. And that makes the theory that Naga's holy bones are just the skeleton of the weirwood ship even more valid. Now, Ironborn have salt wives along with rock wives, and I don't think his mermaid would be very happy if out of nowhere he came back with another woman. So I think like Midia, his magical wife was pissed, and not only left, but she caused havoc too. The fire mages of Valyria worked their magic in the Fourteen Flames, but it is suggested in some parts that they were kinda controlling the volcanoes too, or at least the power the volcanoes offered, and one of the reasons for the doom was that they lost control over them. I have already talked about my belief that the Iron Islands are volcanic, and if this is indeed true, and they also had a fire priestess, then all the stories from when they ruled the sea and spread chaos and terror with fire and blood and song make sense. Thing is, they never were the same after the death of Grey King, they were at their peak then, and it was a peak they never reached again. And I think the reason is that they didn't have the help of the magical woman. 
Naga's fire was snuffed and the crown and throne were drowned, and I think this means that they didn't have fire magic from the volcano since the witch left, and not only left, but also took the throne and his crown, because they say that she took them, so it could mean that the mermaid took them. In Argonautica, even though Media was hands down the most useful person there, it was Jason that was named a hero, so I don't find it very weird that they have Grey King as a hero and they don't talk about the wife. Because like Jason, they think it was the gods' gift and favor because they are more unique than snowflakes. Not that a woman helped them and was way more valuable than them. Grey King, without his mermaid wife, like Jason, died alone and sad because this is what you get when you're being an idiot sandwich. This is it for today's upload. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did while writing it. And if you did, press a like, subscribe to the channel and tune in for the next one that is going to be either the Magical Horns video or a video about the Velaryons that I have in mind, now that House of the Dragon provided at least a little more info about them. So yeah, thanks a lot for watching and bye!